0: I thought it was kind of funny that Colton said, well, he did it because he's up here, but um, Colton said, Brian's coming up to um, speak. And it's kind of funny because when, when the boys, so Colton is my son, just for those that don't know, um, for the boys when they were 12 and 13, we were at JCPenney's one day and um, I had him with me and we were shopping and I went up to the cashier and he says, Are, are these your nephews? And I said, um, Actually, they're, they're my sons. He goes, Well, you look too young. Have a have boys that age. I said. So we walked away. I said, "Okay, boys, from now on, start calling me Brian," and um, and I'm not kidding you. That was when they were 12 and 13, and to this day, they call me Brian. Every now and then, I get dad. Something's wrong if they call me dad, but it kind of stuck. So I thought it was interesting that he said that because that's kind of what I hear all the time. So, anyways, so welcome tonight. If you grab your Bibles, we're going to start with Matthew 18 verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read out of the NIV. I am Pastor Brian. I am the campus pastor at Thornville. So just in case you don't know who I am, that's who I am. Um, I'm filling in tonight. I usually preach at Thornville on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. So if you um, want to join there tomorrow as well, you'll hear the same message tonight. We're going to preach it again tomorrow. So if you're here from Thornville, you get to hear it twice. Um, You can let me know later which one you like better. So grab your Bibles. Let's turn to Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. Until all have heard, it's our new series on exploring evangelism, and the title of tonight's message is Evangelism Begins with the Greatest. So Matthew 18, at this time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and he placed a child among them and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like a little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such in my name welcomes me. Let us pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, God, we are so thankful for all that you do for us, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to share the good news, the gospel and evangelism, Lord. Father, we just pray that you will move me out of the equation tonight, God, that you will speak through me, that my words will be clear, Lord, that it will what you have to say will challenge our hearts and our minds and our thinking, Lord, that we may be better Christians, Lord, and that we may better serve you, Father. We just pray that you have your way in the remainder of this service and give you praise for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. I have actually been truly pretty blessed in my life, and um, Colton was talking a little bit about life, and there's been some bad things that's happened in our life, but when it comes to people giving me gifts, I kind of seem like I've been pretty blessed, and I, and I kind of have to say I kind of like gifts, and um, I worked at a facility in Lancaster um, for six years, and I'm not kidding you, every birthday, every boss's day, every whatever, it seemed like they just gave me gifts after gifts. And I had worked there six years, and when I left, they kind of had a a big party for me, and they gave me more gifts. It's like, why am I leaving here? (laughs) Um, But they gave me gifts, and I felt like I was truly blessed with that. But, you know, when you receive gifts sometimes, it's kind of of awkward. Like, you're opening up gifts in front of people, and um, I never really liked birthday parties growing up because it was just super weird and awkward. So, but... While it's great to receive wonderful gifts, sometimes it is kind of not so good. But in Acts, Jesus himself said it's actually more blessed to give than to receive. Well, you're probably thinking, well, Brian, this message is on evangelism, not on gifts. Well, I'm glad you said that. So whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is what Jesus says here. So Jesus, right before this scripture, is talking to his disciples, and he t- he's telling them that somebody is going to betray him. And that he was going to be killed. He talked to them about being raised up, and they were exceedingly sorrowful. But as you can find out in about five verses later, Jesus just says, I'm going to be killed. And they're like, hmm. Well, who then is going to be the greatest? And you know what they're thinking? All these disciples sitting around, they're thinking, is it going to be me, right? Come on, you've all all been employees somewhere, and the boss is quitting, you're like, I bet I'll get that promotion, right? You're like, I'm going to be the next person. I'm going to be the one that's going to be in charge. Or I'm going to get that raise. And you're all excited about it. You're thinking, I'm going to be the greatest, right? Right? And no, it doesn't always happen that way. Um, but Jesus was just talking about this. Five minutes later, they're, they're concerned about their own wealth, their own honor, their own power. And Jesus is like, well, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Did you just hear me? They're going to kill me. And they become so concerned with themselves that they kind of forgot about the leader for just a moment. But Jesus said, well, he didn't say exactly like this, but it's not going to be none of you. But he called for a child. And he said, come here. I could just see Jesus sitting like on a stone and sitting the child on his lap and saying, unless you become like him, he's the greatest so when we think about evangelism what's the greatest thing that we can do is to impact our children impact our children as a young child that way they will serve god for an eternity versus waiting until they're later so what the greatest thing we can do is give our children the greatest message the gospel of jesus christ so we should do that if we're if you're a parent here tonight and you have children i know Cody and actually just have a, a new baby um Super exciting, it's so important, and I, and I love baby dedications and all that stuff, and, but it's so important that we are so committed to raising that child up in the fear and admonition of the Lord and doing what he's called us to do. We find that when Americans become Christians, it's zero to four years old, only 1% come to know Jesus Christ. Well, it's probably because they're super young and probably don't even understand what the message of the gospel is between the ages of 4 and 14 85% of children get saved at that age wow so when we think about that that that's a, an amazing number 4 years old to 14 you know why it's not 15 and 16, because they know it all then and they just don't want to learn anything, right? So, but the ages of 15 to 30, we find 10% come to know Jesus Christ. And at the, after the age of 30, it's only 4%. Wow. Isn't that crazy? So, Jesus says in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7, says, These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. The greatest gift we can give our children is the gift of Jesus Christ. It is so vital that we strive for excellence. When we think about hiring um, new ministers or having um, ministries in the church, we kind of sometimes get caught up in, And again, I love Colton, um, maybe the worship pastor or maybe we get caught up in um, the, the, the main pastor But if you really kind of boil it down to it, we really need to be super concerned about our children's pastor and our youth pastor. Because why we think church is so great and amazing and the worship services are wonderful and and everything seems like the Spirit of God is here tonight in such a cool way and we think about that. Well, the true ministry is happening underneath us in the basement where the kids are. That's where people can make a biggest impact on children's lives. Um, I know that sometimes we get, we get exhausted by doing, like, nursery. Or, you know, you're tired because you just had junior church, and the pastor went over noon, and it was, like, one, it was 12.15, and I had the kids for, like, almost an hour today. Okay. <laughs> well, I did, I did um, children's ministry for three years, believe it or not. And we had children, we had like 30 kids, and it was Ben Toth and I, and, and we, it was called Living Inside Out, it was a new ministry that I, I developed, well I, I took curriculum and worked with it, and um, we were high energy, and by the time we were done, I was physically exhausted. But there was so much energy from them kids, and we made such a difference, that I was physically, or I was spiritually on fire. Like I couldn't wait till next week when we got back in there with them kids again. There's such a big difference that we can make in children's lives that, like VBS, when you you've all been to VBS and Vacation Bible School, where you work every night and you work tire, tirelessly, endlessly. You work all day long. You come there and you spend time with the kids, and by the time you're done, you're, you're kind of exhausted, right? Well, that exhaustion sometimes will get in our head and get in our minds, but it's the impact that we're making on our children. That should excite us and set us on fire and help us to, to be excited about what God is doing. Evangelism starts at home. It can be done privately, publicly, and home, in the church. Teaching, correcting, instructing our children about the things of God. Stacy and I, I, I don't even remember when we started this, but every single morning before I leave for work, we pray. And we join hands and we pray for each of our kids by name. And knowing that, God, things aren't always perfect in our lives. And you think, well, man, he's got it all together, right? No, uh-uh. Our lives have been a mess, and we've had to trust God more than I can explain to you. But the biggest thing is making sure that we win our children first. Jacob said in the first week of um, the series that if I go around winning all these people and he, and he loses out his daughter, Lavender, and doesn't teach her the ways of of Christ, what difference is it going to make? We can't be so busy saving the world that we lose out on saving our children. The second thing we're going to talk about tonight is, what do we do as parents when one of our children go astray? Our methods change. So Matthew 18, 10 through 14 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hill and go for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you he is happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing if any little ones should perish. And you kind of, if you're a parent here tonight, or a grandparent, or even, even if you have parents or whatever, maybe you have a couple kids, three, four, five, six, however many, but when one of your children is sick, they get more attention, right? You're not like running around making sure the healthy kids are okay, you're worried about the kid that's running a fever and making sure their medicine's right and you're alternating Tylenol and ibuprofen to keep their fever down and all that fun stuff that you do, right? You're not, so wor- you're not going outside checking on the other kids, like worried about them. You're worried about the one that's sick. And so imagine, well, I, I remember when Caleb, Caleb was about four months old when he came to live with us. And he developed RSV and pneumonia. And at that time, he was just a foster child. And I remember um, taking him to the hospital, and they said, well, we're going to admit him. He's pretty sick. And we had Caleb, or Colton and Corey, and we hadn't really left them very often. And Stacy stayed at the hospital with Caleb for, I think it was five days he was in there. And so she was kind of worried about her, you know, the older kids, but she was so concerned about the kid that was sick that it consumed her. And, and actually, one time we were at the hospital, I'm like, Stacy, you're, you're gonna have to go get some rest. Like, you're exhausted physically, emotionally. Like, let's get you some rest. And she finally agreed, and she did. And things seemed to be better. But when one of our children go astray, and it doesn't matter when we talk about, I'm talking about kids tonight, but maybe your child's 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old. When something's wrong with them or they're experiencing a difficult time, how much more? do we spend in prayer about them? Our son, our second son was diagnosed with cancer um, in 2016, and he was 21, I believe, when he was diagnosed. And let me tell you, I prayed for Corey way more than I prayed for my other kids, and he had my attention. My full attention was on praying. I'm telling you, every moment I had, I prayed for my son who was diagnosed with cancer until it was gone, and now we still pray every day, just, you know, God, don't let the cancer come back. Like, it's that kind of thing that just, you can't, you can't quit thinking about it. And when, some, when your child's diagnosed with something, you're constantly worried and praying for them. When something's lost, we, we try to find it, right? How many of you... Um, well, and maybe it's just me, but if I forgot my cell phone, say I got to South Zanesville, which is like 20 minutes from my house, if I forgot my cell phone at the house, I'm probably going to turn around and go back before I go to work <laughs> because we like our cell phones, right? Um, some of us get a little anxiety when we don't have our cell phones on us, but I just will spend time looking for my cell phone if I can't find it. They actually even have an app that if you've lost your cell phone, it will help you locate it. So that's kinda cool, you can go to your iPad and set off an alarm so it helps you find your your phone. So anyways, that's beside the point. What about the remote? Remote control, I'll spend like 20 minutes, 30 minutes looking for the remote control when I could really probably just kinda go over to the TV and turn it on and flip through the channels, but that just seems so, I don't know. doesn't seem like a man thing or something. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe women like their remotes as well. But anyways, so it's lost. I'm looking for it. I'll spend all this time finding it. But anyways, but Jesus is telling us about God's love for the lost. He leaves the one that are safe and that are accounted for. He knows they're okay. And when we think about church, sometimes we get preoccupied with trying to make the people in the church happy that we kind of lose track of making the people that are unchurched or those that doesn't know Jesus as a personal Savior. And we we lose our focus because we're trying to make all these people happy when we have these people over here that are, are lost and dying and going to hell and are miserable and maybe thinking suicide or you know maybe thinking about running away from home or or just having an affair or or addicted to pornography or addicted to drugs and alcohol and it's all this stuff that's going on in their lives so why we're trying to be like is the church okay like no that's backwards we we, we need to know that the church is okay and, and here's the, here's the key is the church is praying together in unity praying for the church and for the pastors that we can all go in and, and love on these people and wrap our, our arms around them that are like God is wrapping us and we're reaching out to them and we're kind of in the, in the mud with them, if you want to say, like where they're te- crying with them when they're having these thoughts of suicide or when they're having feelings of addiction where their accountability partner, like you can call me, call me anytime, call me day and night, call me at two o'clock in the morning if you're struggling. I'll wake up and I'll pray with you and we'll work through this together. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And when you think about evangelism, evangelism is reaching the lost. It's going out and finding those that are, are dying and going to hell. It's not reaching out necessarily to the church, right? So God help us that we can be what he wants us to be. I preach to myself, because sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm the, my biggest enemy, and I love people. I mean, just really like people. I don't want to offend anybody. I never want to upset anybody. I have a servant's heart. I want to serve them. I want to make them happy. But sometimes along the way, it's we miss things. Sometimes we mess up things. And when I think about my own personal life and thinking about the relentless pursuing that God does for us, I think Brian Dutill would probably do a better job of extending his hand to reach out to the lost. And I'm not saying I do a bad job of it. I'm just saying I could do better. And God, this whole evangelism series has been dealing with my own heart and my own life. And, and I was over at Dollar General the other day, and so I, I, had, I went to the gym, and I got dressed, and I went to put my belt on, and I didn't have a belt. Well, I have to wear a tie to work, and I'm thinking, wear a tie, no belt. Probably, I probably should get a belt. So I stopped at Dollar General because it's the only thing I see that's even open at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I, I'm in line. And I just have to be at work by nine. But I'm thinking, you know, I have a very structured personality. Like, I have in my mind, I'm going to be at the gym at seven. I'm going to do this, be here, and everything's like got to be just so, so in my life. I like it just perfect, right? And so I'm in Dollar General, thinking I got to be out of Dollar General at this time to be at work at this time to have like ten minutes to do this right before nine o'clock for my morning meeting starts because I have to start my morning meeting on time because. I have a strong type A personality, right? So anyways, that's a long story to get to the point. I'm standing in Dollar General, and I have one belt. And the lady in front of me has two pops. And the guy in front of her has like $3 and six, $3.55 worth of stuff. He was using some kind of card. I don't know what it was for sure. But he was trying to scan it, and the lady's like, it's not reading your card, sir. You have to put the numbers in it. He's, like, looking at her, like, I'm trying to scan it. And she's like, you have to put the numbers in it. He's like, looks at her she goes, I can't. So the lady in front of me, she goes up and she's like, I'll do it. So she puts the numbers in for him and, okay, it didn't take. She goes, try it again. And I'm, of course, I'm looking at my clock or my watch and I'm thinking, okay, it's okay. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> I'm going to be late for my meeting, right? <laughs> so I'm like, and then it was just like, God just kind of said, okay, Brian, forget about all that stuff. That's really, in the biggest scheme of things, none of that stuff's important, right? So he finally gets the card to work, and he's a nickel short. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, I'm just going to relax, and whatever happens, happens at the so the lady gets in her, her little change purse. I don't have a nickel. I don't carry cash. I have nothing. So um, she gets in her little change purse. She gets five pennies out. She sets them on the table, and she goes, oh, his transaction just got canceled. <laughs> it's like a computer glitch. And I'm like, I said, okay. The, the type A control person comes out of me, and I go. I said, okay, I'm going to pay for his stuff and my belt. And because she was so nice, I'm going to pay for her stuff, too. So, I mean, it wasn't that much money. I'm not, like, spending lots of money here. I said, I'm going to buy it all. So I scanned it. I bought his stuff. I got $10 cash back to give to him because I I thought he's already short a nickel. I'm going to give him money. So I gave him money. I, I bought my belt, and then I bought her stuff. And I looked at him, and I said, God loves you guys. You guys have a good day. And the cashier said, oh, my gosh, this is my day started out this way. I said, you know what? Don't let This room, ruin your whole entire day. Things will be better. And I thought about it as I walked away. It's like, isn't that kind of what evangelism really is? Is making a difference in people's lives when they need it. It's not about what time your meeting starts. It's not about having your kids at soccer practice on time. It's about making a difference in people's lives who don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The last thing we're going to talk about is found in Luke 15, verse 8 through 10. And the last point is, what do we do when the lost is found? Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Now again, if this was a guy, it would have been a rope, but or a remote. But it's a woman. It's a coin. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, "Rejoice with me! I have found my lost coin." And the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner, sinner who repents. Luke 15 is often called the lost chapter. Jesus talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. The sheep got lost naturally the coin got lost accidentally and the son got lost willfully the shepherd went and looked for the sheep right the woman looked all over her house carefully for the lost coin and the father was watching and waiting for his son to return christians i really can't say it enough But are we frantically looking and trying to reach the lost? Is our prayer life devoted more to the unsaved? Or is it kind of like my prayer life where I I pray for my kids every day and their health and all that stuff and God's blessings and protection when you kind of think about it, it seems like a lot of selfishness. And I'm talking about my own prayer life, so please don't take me wrong. You pray how you feel led to. But I wonder if I change my prayer life to be more focused on God. Send me somebody today that needs help in some way, someone that I can witness to and, and share the love of God with, to share the message of the cross. And on this series of evangelism, I want us to become broken for the lost people that Christ is broken for. To have our fire rekindled in our hearts and in our spirit. Remember when, when you were first saved? There was such a fire in your heart and life. And you went and told everybody about your newfound salvation, right? You went and told everybody about Jesus. And now that you've been saved for three, five, ten 15 20 35 years have we lost that fire well the fire that saved us is the same fire that can save the lost save the center and i'll tell you the truth we we have the greatest message ever we have the message of the cross of Jesus Christ crucified, that we may have eternal life. And it doesn't stop there because He offers peace. Your life's a mess. Jesus Christ says there's peace in Him. You're unhappy in your life. Jesus Christ says there's joy found in Jesus. You're discouraged, defeated, brokenhearted. He says there's hope. There's hope in Jesus Christ. We have the greatest message ever the greatest message to share. And I challenge you today, we need to pray. Pray to God and ask him to forgive us for not focusing on the lost like we should. We need again to tell our stories and share the good news. Start with our children, our families, our co-workers, our friends. And then we need to pray for God to break us for the lost. Romans 10, 11, 15. How then will they call on him? And whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And I know what you're thinking there. That's for the preachers. No, it's for us to go and speak the gospel. Precious Heavenly Father God, we thank you and praise you for your many blessings, Lord. And Father God, I just pray that the words that we've spoken tonight, Lord, will will speak to us, that will challenge us, Lord Father, to maybe even change our prayer lives, that we'll be praying more about those who are lost and that need a Savior, Lord Father, that you will put people in our past, that we truly can make a difference, Lord. And, and I pray that for my own life, Lord. I pray for the, those that are here tonight, Lord. I pray for Together Ministries and, and the whole church of the Nazarene, Lord Father, and, and all the churches of this community, Lord, that you will break us, that you will pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord, that we'll be so um, um, not able to eat, not able to drink, Lord Father. We'll be woken up in the middle of the for those that are lost and dying and going to hell, Lord Father, and that we can make a difference and impact them for the kingdom of God. We just pray for your presence to be with us and bless us, Father. We give you praise for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.